Nicole, are you ready to? Nicole? What's up? What are you What are you wearing? What's up with the outfit? It's summer break. I'm just embracing the vacation mood. But isn't this our spa race weekend recap podcast? What? Yeah, but like, spa was super stressful. And like we established last week that everyone at Gridwalk, aka us, thinks it's the worst. So we can like... Can we at least just, like, pretend we're on a tropical vacation if we're going to have to talk about it? Okay, that's a good point. Please hold. Be right back. Oh my gosh, we are a vibe. Wow, if only every F1 race actually felt like this, or if Spa just felt like this. Summer vacation, summer, break? summer vibes. We're now on a tropical island where we can... Talk about all the stress that has gone on in this sport that we consider ourselves a fan of. Well, let's get into a stress-free formation lap. Well, we made it through our least favorite race of the season, and all it cost us was probably about five years off my life as we watched 20 cars attempt to navigate around the track in rainy conditions. But we can't. Oh, that set line didn't make sense. I wrote this in a delusional space. I was like, it technically did. I mean, like, it, yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Like, but <laughs> I can't, I'm going to leave all this in. Hi, I'm tired. We're on you vacation. Know, we're on vacation. It's we're not on break. vacation. This is a whole new episode of the podcast. Right. <laughs> all right. But there are things to discuss. Red Bull is a rocket ship that no one is close to. Mercedes surprised us with a giant upgrade that allows me to finally use this sounder that I have queued up since the launch of Gridwalk. I mean, honestly, it makes me sad that I had to use it because of the Mercedes car, but but it's such a good sounder. Oh, I just wish it wasn't Mercedes. <laughs> right. Ferrari gave us a result that I'm sure all Tifosi, us included, will be very rational about. And no, 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 there definitely won't be people saying that Charlotte Claire will mount a championship battle in the back of the season. Your service has been temporarily disconnected. Also, since we last recorded, Alpine has hit the reset button for the second time in two years. <laughs> you know, sometimes in love and life, you are the problem, but I don't think anyone has bought the decision makers of Alpine Amir in about a decade. Finally, step into the circus with us. Because Formula One is in full circus mode. Silly season rumors are aplenty, so the tired topics returns to let chance decide which of those rumors we will dig into today. That wraps up the Formation Lab for episode 28 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, follow, turn on auto downloads, and leave us a review if you're listening on an audio platform. All of these things greatly help support the show. Cold ground are lined up on the grid. It's lights out, and away we go on this week's grid walk. Well, well, spa. Spa. I think fitting to match our distaste for this track, we should start our post-race recap talking about 
the fact that we're halfway through the season and Red Bull has won every race. That's like, it's so infuriating to a whole other level. I think not only just because it's like it's only Red Bull winning, but also just due to the difficulties that Checo had, like throughout a good part of the season that I'm like, all right, so like we had the one race that we could get Checo in, but now we're just like, uh, hello? Yeah. Yeah. No one else can maybe, I don't know. And I guess maybe I'm also just expecting the probability of Red Bull having any sort of DNF. It's just not going to happen with Max ever. I don't know. This well, is Checo crazy. DNF'd in the sprint, and I was watching it happen and went, oh no, of course their unluckiness was in the race that doesn't count for any real points. And I'm like, I... Yeah. Okay, overall, across the field, compared to last year, reliability has been incredible. Yeah, and I guess at least not having that part in terms of understanding where teams are falling in terms of like their competitiveness like I feel like like that feels really good I feel like we were missing so much data I mean now we're missing so much data because of rainy qualifyings but I feel like there were so many different instances where we just weren't getting to see cars perform at all because they would take out themselves last year you and mean? then like three other yeah <laughs> or just overall reliability issues definitely at least in terms of like PUs and everything a lot better um, now, if only that made a difference for the P1 competition, but... Yeah. yeah. This is also the least crashy field I think F1 has had in a long time. Like, not that every driver is a fantastic driver, but we're, we don't have a couple of crash-happy drivers. And then I think a lot of people thought that Nick DeVries was going to be a really crash-happy driver because of his reputation in Formula E, and he didn't even provide that. So it's been a really... There's been a lot of really impressive things going on, but they're not kind of the impressive things I need in a season of prolonged dominance. Yeah. Uh, it's funny to be saying that, you know, not a lot of, you know, accident things like that, especially coming off of Spa, Turn 1, Carlos, Oscar. I just feel like, you know, yes, it's been less, but I feel like it, since it's a Spa recap and we're talking about accidents and things, like, yeah, okay, well, that happened. So I don't want someone to be screaming at us and be like, yeah, but what about? Like, we know we watched, but I just, but it's in so, general, it, in comparison. I guess, you know what it is? It's not, I'm sure, actually, if I ran the numbers, the number of DNFs might actually be similar. But the difference is, in order for it to matter for the race, it needs to happen to Max. So Max hasn't DNF'd, therefore it feels like reliability's up and DNFs are, are down. So... Because now that I'm sitting here thinking through this, like, I think Haas has DNF'd, like, every other race. And, like, oh, yeah, we had the double DNFs from Alpines. You know what? Just, like, scratch everything I said. I'm really just upset that, like, <laughs> Red Bull doesn't Red have Bull... an issue. Yeah, Red yeah. Bull didn't have their start of the 2023 season like they did with the 2022 season where it's like, wow, look at all this Ferrari on the podium and that, that, that. And then it was like, oh, no, Red Bull figured it out. Nah, they figured it out, and they still figured it out, and they remain figuring it out, and are fast. <laughs> if Red Bull didn't mess up the setup in Brazil that gave the shock George Russell win, they now would have won 23 races in a row, I believe the number is. It's 23 or 24. Like, And I would feel less... Eh, yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of dominance. We should talk about something else. But, like, congrats, Red Bull. You cheated and you got here. Woo. Uh, 
great summary. Can we can we talk about Little Nugget Oscar Piastri having a coming oh out race weekend? Oh my god, like Saturday had me so hyped for Sunday and then as soon as the race started I was like, "Ah, but uh, oh, But it's okay. 100th of a second, the like the picture that McLaren was like, "How far were you away?" and then he's like, "This far away." .011 seconds. It's like, "What? Hello? You showed it was possible?" I, that was crazy to see happen. And then he got his first top 3. Because it's, you know, one of my new things that my favorite thing with Oscar Piastri is actually his interviews, because you can tell that he's gotten more confident and that he's willing to say more words other than like, I don't know, I was in P18 because the car's slow. Like, to be fair, like, what kind of personality can you have when McLaren's the second or the worst car in the field? But his post-sprint interview in the media pen, where he was like, I don't really know what this sprint thing is, but I guess I'm happy with my first top three because I can't call it a podium. And I was like, I was like me every week. I, just, I don't know what to call this either, Oscar, but congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. on being there and doing that. And he let a lap. Crazy. You know what? Just... It, it's so much growth. And I think to your point, it's like he almost got to like get some practice trials of you know it wasn't like he got like ambushed of like making a podium you know with the whole safety car thing a few races back and god that was silverstone feels like a whole other life um and then he finished his p4 so like he was like almost there and things and like so it's like he gets to practice he's practicing for an eventual podium finish in a weird way mclaren having a bad start to the year technologically was really good for oscar because he got to spend 10 races just driving around the back of the field and like learning procedures and how to be an f1 driver but i've been unbelievably impressed with him for the last three races and like lando should be nervous she said because words. If, if this is him like i oscar came in as hey this might be the next lewis hamilton max verstappen type like he is that good and i think because he sat on the bench and i personally don't pay a lot of attention to f2 and i it's mostly pay to play so i i don't know what to make of it and then he just sat on the bench in alpine's driver system for a year so i didn't really know also what to make of that but i think he's the real deal and this is really fun to watch yeah i mean i'm oh gonna travel fat like back far in my brain to i like oscar was our first rookie of points i'm pretty sure and at australia because i remember he scored points at his home race or yeah. i believe yeah like we already saw like such promise for him and we were expecting it and especially after the alpine shakeup last year it was going to be very interesting to see like what transpired and to see what he's been able to do in the McLaren as a newer driver, as they're figuring out their upgrades, has gotten me very excited. As I say, as like, you know, the Daniel Ricciardo fan who's still really bitter about last year and things. But, but that's not his That's fault. not Oscar. <laughs> right. That is that, that had nothing to do with Oscar. There it's we not... go. So I can move for Oscar and that's fine. Uh, but no, he definitely really impressed me this weekend. Continues to do so. Definitely excited to see what happens with him in the remainder of the season. I'm intrigued to see if there's, in my viewpoint, the inevitable when he finishes higher than Lando in some kind of, like, scenario and seeing how that plays out in the press. 
Um, but that's just kind of what I would like to see go down. Like the sprint? And well, this whole race okay. weekend where he had well, much better sprint. race weekend? Yeah, I just keep thinking of the sprint as like not real. Not counting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not real. <laughs> but... I'm talking about a Sunday. No, but I think over the course of this whole race weekend, we saw an Oscar Piastri that was significantly better than his teammate. In every qualifying session, in every on-track session we saw, with the exception of the race, because Oscar <laughs> didn't finish it, the, like, everything before that, he was significantly better than Lando. And so I, I am with you, though. Like, if that is something that persists, because Lanto has become the media darling of, like, oh, he's actually the best driver on the grid, and he's better than Max and better than Lewis, and we're all, like... And he owns the rain! Lando owns rain! He is rain! <laughs> if an announcer says one more time that Lando is a rain specialist, I was going to chuck my monitor at a wall. Like, I didn't want to hear it. I Because... It was also always like the commentator would say it and then he would like go off track. Yeah, like ground. it would never make sense when it's being said. I'm like, okay, sure. You want to give him rain specialist. That's fine. But like, where? What is the reasoning? Because he's still driving? Because he's put on, he, has, he wanted to throw on slicks when it's like, oh, it's drizzling. Like, I don't understand what you think is him being like a rain god. Until a driver proves that they consistently win races in the rain, can we just stop calling them a rain specialist? Like, there are many drivers that I do think perform really well in the rain, and I do think we are watching a bunch of them on track, but I don't think it's just it's lazy commentating. George <laughs> Russell doesn't even know when it's raining. He's another one that they're like rain specialist George Russell because he'll throw on slicks that one time in the Williams and I'm like and get that shock result at spa. And He's like, a sweat specialist. He doesn't know what rain is. <laughs> I love you, George. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This is all all in good jest. All, all literally out of love. <laughs> yes, but I I think overall, like we are starting. I think if we think back to like Lewis Hamilton's rookie year where he came in and had to be teammates with Fernando Alonso. Like, Lando is not Fernando Alonso, and obviously he's not a two-time world champion like he was then. But, like, the media aren't playing it up like he is, which means if a rookie is competitive with him, we need to start treating Oscar like a serious, like, threat to that. And then, like, Max got to do some time in the AlphaTauri and then got called up to the big leagues. <laughs> in the Red Bull seat, but he only had Daniel Ricardo as his teammate. And I'm sorry, Nicole Katz, you can cover that's your okay. ears if you want. But no, like, that's I'm not aware. the same as like, Fernando and Lewis. And I would even say that like, Lando at this point in his career, eh, I don't know. I don't really know where to place them. It's so hard. It's different generations, different teams. Lando, ah. hasn't, Lando, hasn't, won Lando hasn't won anything. Yeah. And Daniel it's just, that's just facts. like, it's just, if you want to be comparing like the, oh, it's a, you know, but either way, Oscar did a, a right. wonderful performance against a driver with experience in a Formula One car. Yes. I multiple think years. So Oscar's yeah. definitely showing like what a rookie can be doing. And, right. and when there's actually talent there, like you can start to see it. Mm -hmm. in like a crazy way which is really fun to watch like us as fans it's fun to watch and i say that like they have the upgrade underneath them 
they come back from spring break, I'm mentally starting Oscar and Lando at zero points apiece. And I'd be intrigued who wins out for the rest of the season. Oh, forward. that's definitely got to be tracked. Please actually do track this. Put that on my Spotify wrapped. Would love to see it. <laughs> All right. One more spa thing. I mean, there's obviously, well, there's obviously a, a ton of things we could talk about for spa, but I don't want to. We don't want to. And this is our show. Uh, so we yeah. can talk about what we want to talk about. So we knew Mercedes was going to bring something, or it was rumored that Mercedes was going to bring something. Then they ended up bringing a giant upgrade package with the next evolution of their front wing, their side paws, and their floor, and a super like low drag rear wing that Lewis ran, but George didn't run all weekend. It was basically like if we've been calling the car they're running their B spec, this was like B spec version B. Like, Maybe, yeah. I, I, like I saw so much. There was so much different and change, and I, I don't know how I feel about that. That just makes me nervous every time. Like I'm just like, ah, hate. this could just be so much worse, or I don't know. But or right, that's also part of the fear. Yeah, I. Um, I wasn't expecting such a dramatic upgrade. And they also said that this is only part of a bigger upgrade package that they're bringing like right after summer break with the rest of it. I don't know if they're going to bring it to Zanvoort because it's like a very specific track mm -hmm. or if they'll bring it to Monza, which I believe is after Zanvoort. I don't know. That feels like ages away right now because it's summer break. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you should be nervous because it worked. Like Mercedes was clearly the second fastest team. George didn't have the full upgrade because he didn't have the circuit specific rear wing or George chose not to run it. I was unclear. I really tried to figure out if George chose the more the higher downforce wing or if they only had one and they put it on Lewis's car, but I couldn't find any information on that anywhere. Cool. I was hoping you would know the answer to that, but great that you don't. <laughs> no, I'm I do think that Mercedes of all teams is very intentional about the fact that we, you, me, most people know that Lewis is the number one driver, but I don't think they like to go to the press and talk about when Lewis gets upgrades first mm -hmm. in a way that would make George feel a little I want insecure. the upgrades too, please. Can I also have the upgrades? Please give me the upgrades. It's not raining. <laughs> Can you tell that Nicole is a little tired of George Russell, as am I? I just, it just so, there's just, I can't, and I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like almost at every single team, you can be like, one of them is just complaining a lot more than the other. Like, I feel like right. that could just go across any F1 team, and as, if you're new to Gridwalk here, we're very partial to Lewis Hamilton, so like, whenever we're just like, well, look what he right. can do, so if you think that you're so great, then like, do it too. Um... Yeah. Yeah. George yeah. is doing a lot of complaining and politicking over the radio, which is my least favorite thing in an F1 driver. And he's doing it against our favorite driver, which really accelerates the dislike. But so, yes, I don't know if they just only had one rear wing and Lewis got it, or if George chose the higher downforce, or they could have had more rear wings and they wanted to test them, like get a live comparison test on track. Like all three of those things could have happened. But that Mercedes was 
really fast. And you know what I'm really tired of is seeing the, the graphics at the end of the week, which shows you the race pace of all the drivers. And no matter how you cut it, Lewis is the fastest non-Red Bull driver, but he, for the second week in a row, is not on the podium because of qualifying operations issues, pit stops, pit stops, pit stops, pit stops, and operations is it issues do we think do we is there like a potential inkling <laughs> that they lost the time in the pits i really just have this gut feeling <laughs> no i think it's just like overall the team doesn't seem to be operating at the uh, the level that red bull spent all those years operating at and still do today, but like Mercedes never had to. Mm -hmm. So now like in order for Mercedes, the gap between them and anyone behind them is so small that a small operational mistake in qualifying, a mm. slightly too long pit stop, like all of that stuff matters and it's keeping Lewis from having podium results versus like when Red Bull was in the position Mercedes is in now, which is normally the second fastest team, they just were so good operationally that they could get the results. They could hit their ceiling. Mercedes right now on pace is the second fastest team, but they are unable to hit their ceiling. And then Max so Verstappen wants to practice pit stops in the middle of the race. <sighs> you know, it felt really good to watch Lewis swipe the fastest lap. Yeah, it did feel really good. As soon as you- Doesn't like, mean anything. Saw him pitting, it was like, that one point, He's going to get it. It's going to be his. But yeah, that was. Speaking, by the way, of points. We're, we cannot get into the penalty from the sprint because then I will go back to angry Brianna mode. And there's a reason we haven't really talked about it. But if Mercedes uh, appealed that like they should and won that like they should, um, Lewis would be P3 in the standings right now above Fernando. He's one point behind. And it's really frustrating to me that that's the difference going into summer break. I don't even want to touch all of it because I think we'll go down to an unbelievable, aggressive, angry deep dive of what Mercedes should have done. Uh, so to address the porpoising, uh, apparently the team thinks that it's a setup. Like we've had this trend, a setup issue. Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. I just kept talking. The team thinks it's a setup issue <laughs> and the, uh, well, there's been this trend where teams bring a big upgrade and you might see a bit of their performance, but it takes them a week in order to really get on top of them. Mercedes brought a big upgrade on a week where they had zero practice time. Like FP1 was rained out. And then you had the sprint in the race and two qualifying sessions where you can't really like, change your setups because of Park Ferme. So I, I, I'm inclined to believe them. And I will point out that as annoying as porpoising is, A, it's fun that we finally can use the sounder. And B, uh, porpoising is an effect of having high downforce. So there, like, I don't, I don't want to be like, this is like a very, there is a technical dive into this that I'm not going to do right now. <laughs> and this is, I know what I'm saying right now is only partially accurate uh -huh. but spa is a very high speed track 
And the fact that they had high downforce issues that was causing porpoising on a track. How do I say this? I'm going to definitely cut out part of this. Uh, basically, it at least shows that they brought downforce to the car, which is speed. And, like, if they can set up the car right, like, I'm okay. In the pits! It's all in the pits! At Gridwalk, we love our podiums. Even for races that we don't really enjoy, we'll find podiums to give you. <laughs> so here are my moments from the weekend at Spa that put a smile on my face, but no surprise, all of it's off track because I don't like Spa. <laughs> so... Off-track moments at Spa that put a smile on my face. P3. Alex Albon gifted a knitted horsey. Horsey and horsey is one of his many cats and not a horse, to be very clear. A fan knitted him a stuffed animal of one of his many pets. Follow at Albon Pets if you're not already. And it made its way to Alex. And he posted it. And the fan was really excited. And I always just love when that like fan to driver pipeline goes all the way through. P2, the sticker wars. This is only P2? This is only P2. But the nonsense all weekend of Ferrari, Red Bull stickers, and it's going to branch through the whole paddock. I can't wait. Highlight was Fred trying to put a Red Bull sticker on Helmet Marco's forehead. And Helmet is definitely not a fan of stickers. Like... (laughs) Or people? I don't think or people, but like you know, there's people. people that's like I don't do stickers, like sticky things. Like doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. You know, Marco's not one of those. And anyway, P one, the F one Academy announcement. Finally, yeah. finally, 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 we got news from Susie Wolf, oh, the managing director of F1 Academy this weekend, that the remaining F1 Academy race on the calendar will be shown live because it will be the first race paired with F1 in Austin. And then every F1 Academy race remaining will be shown live because now they'll also correlate with F1 races. Thank God. Goodness, it was the exact news that I wanted to hear, have been waiting to hear, and thank goodness we got it. And you're right, none of those have anything to do with Spa. None of them have to do with Spa, but they all happened during Spa weekend. So we gotta talk about Alpine. Because (laughs) everything is clearly not fine with Alpine. as you, oh, had, boy. as you teased at the start of the show, kind of feels like they're basically resetting, turning the entire team off and turning it on again. We have the exiting of Team Principal Otmar. We'll miss you, buddy. Uh, Sporting Director Allen's out, and Pat Fry, their technical director, is going to Williams to be Williams' technical director. We're also coming off, there was the two races of a double DNF. Um, Pierre had a little bit of a stronger weekend this weekend, but I think a lot of that was on, like, his emotional, like, drive was really pushing him for a lot of this this weekend. And sprints are dumb and there's no tire deck. There you go. Um, so, other than that, Alpine, they're not number four in the constructors. They're really suffering. <laughs> it's a fire across the board on, for their executives, it seems, in their car. I don't know what, I'm scared for Esteban. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I 
I think I think it's important to put into context that Otmar was hired and started this job at the beginning of the 2022 season last year. He has done this job for less than two years. And in a sport where right now they're developing the core of the 2024 car. How can you know if he's doing a good job? And that's even what he said. He's like a lot right. of the developments that he's made. A lot of the people he hired aren't starting so next year. We had a story we talked about last week about how Ferrari hired away a Mercedes engineer that can't start until 2025. Like the life cycle of these teams are so long. And as much as we kind of tease Alpine's continuous 100 race, like continually setting those goalposts, the reason they need to keep pushing back those goalposts is because they keep firing the people they put in charge. And every single big firing like this means you're resetting back at zero. Oh, I can't, it, make it make sense. Someone, somewhere, make it make sense, especially after they had like this big investment coming in. It just seems like a lot of like really quick decisions that like I, I oh didn't God. fully understand like why they were happening, especially like now it just, and I understand like Alpine's having a difficult time, but to your point of all the things that we've just listed, like I don't understand how firing your team principal and your sporting director like gonna be the answer to all of that. Well, what's confusing to me is I can't figure out if they were fired because F1 is always, like, really vague and it's like they departed and it's like, all right, who quit, who fi was fired, who, like, this well, one feels a little, a little more like a, so they let go politely. They, they gave new direction to their CEO, Rossi, I believe. Right, yeah like a week ago, a week or two ago. So to me, it feels like whoever the new guy who came in to be in charge of everything walked down to Otmar and said, we need to be winning races next season, which is the most laughable thing that's come out of this whole thing. It's like Mercedes and Ferrari can't win races right now. And you're like, yeah, Alpine can. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like that there was a lot of people who maybe fully don't understand the process of like developing an F1 car like, getting leapfrogged by McLaren and then, like, was making some really strong decisions <laughs> that, like, I don't necessarily think will help them fix said decisions. Um, and none of those decisions are investing in their facilities because I think part of the reason, like, it's so laughable that, like, that would be the goal for Alpine right now is that their infrastructure is so far behind their like competitors. And unlike us. Aston Martin and McLaren, who have spent the last two years investing in their facilities to get their facilities to be at a Mercedes Ferrari Red Bull level. We haven't seen that from Alpine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely something stinks, smells like fish, stinky over here. I don't know. It definitely doesn't, it felt wrong. I feel like to your point of going back to like, is it F1's like, way of doing things like how do you know who was let go or who was like chose to leave on their own accord i feel like if you end up getting a graphic like from f1 then you're usually <laughs> if you're not a driver because i'm now suddenly thinking like fernando going to aston was definitely like his choice but usually if f1's like releasing a graphic about you and you're in a leadership role like feel like it probably wasn't necessarily your decision in departing because um, pat fry did not get a graphic but Alan yeah. and Otmar did. 
did get a graphic. And we have to put a pin in the pat fry for one second, because I do think that's probably the more interesting thing that's going on here. But it definitely, a graphic definitely means that for a non-driver category, that this wasn't a happy thing that happened normally. Like normally it's like, so I, I actually am on the side of, I think Otmore was like, F this, I'm out. But I don't think he wanted to be F this, I'm out. Got it. I think he was, like, this is just like me trying to put the pieces together and all the things he's saying to the press now and, and everything that's going on. It kind of feels like the new bosses came down and said, so you're going to do this on this timeline. Can it be done? And he looked at them and said, no. And they said, but we need it to be. And it was a mutual goodbye. So. But it obviously I don't had know to happen could... after he recorded his F1 Beyond the Grid episode. I think that gives us some insight into how early they record those episodes, I guess. Like, it was, it felt comical that it was like the same week, basically. Right. Like, uh, what? I, which also makes me think that no one knew inside the team, no one knew that this was going on or what was happening or anything because the PR arm of the team wasn't going to set him up for that interview to talk about those things and then for this to happen. Like, yeah, it's all like days. It was literally within days. It all just screams mess, big mess, so much mess. But Pat Fry is more interesting because Williams has been saying for months now that they've been in discussions with a big guy to bring in as their new technical director. And I personally never guessed that it was going to be someone who was already in the technical director role at a different team. Nope. But that is exactly what they did in poaching Pat Fry here. So what's interesting to me is that that was announced simultaneously with these other announcements. But was that always meant to be announced this weekend? And it just like happened to coincide? Maybe some of the reason that like Otmar and the sporting director left was because they were also losing their technical director. Like I like how much are these things connected or separate? And how exciting is this for Williams? Because I know that Alpine isn't rocking the world with their car right now, but like they're also not doing an awful job. And Pat Fry has proven that he's really good at this. So I'm excited for Williams. Yes, very excited for Williams. Get Alex Albon consistently in points would make me so happy and so full of joy. Um, I agree. I also started to question of like, is this the timing of things? Because then also depending on what news outlets you went to, it changed how they were like reporting it. Like a lot of people were saying like three executives have been asked to exit. And I'm like, well, no, two maybe have been and one not. Like a lot right. of places were reporting it differently where they were only reporting about Alan and Otmar and they weren't reporting about Pat. And then like it was some in different combos and like F1's formal announcement was just about Otmar and Alan departing and it did not mention Pat Fry in the same message. So first I, they, I didn't know about Pat till later. Right. I didn't think. That's a really great question. I will never know the answer. And unfortunately, I don't think you will either. But yeah. I don't know. It might. I, I think it depends how uh, Otmar's job prospects are, because he doesn't he's not one to shy away from the press at explaining what happens. As he already has been like, hello, why are you? I was doing stuff, but I guess. Bye. 
So there's already a name lined up to, well, of course, there's an interim team principal at Alpine right now. But there was a certain someone seen in the paddock who has been both a fantastic technical director and a and a experienced existing team principal, I didn't know what adjective to put there, who was seen in the paddock at Hungary, I believe it was. Oh no, it was Silverstone, one of those two races. And everyone was like, hmm, why is that there? And now his name is being floated for the Alpine team principal job. But I will throw out there that he might not be getting the team principal job. He also might just be getting the technical director job. But Nicole, did you see our favorite Where's Waldo? I saw Edna Mode. <laughs> This is also now when Gridwalk gets to learn that I called Mattia Bonotto Edna Mode. <laughs> it's been a while. I haven't done that in a minute. Wow, that Which rocked is, by my the way, world. A high compliment. Oh, I just of course. Be clear. Please, yes. I mean that. And really, it's like glasses. Like I think, come on. Like if you make yeah. him, if you put him as a character in The Incredibles, they can be siblings. Not the point of all of this. I was <laughs> shook. What are you talking about? That is always the point of this. We bring up Mattia strictly to get you to talk about Edna Mode. No capes. Could you imagine your one driving over the cape? Anyway, uh, rocked my world having Mattia um, anywhere. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> Could you imagine F one driver in a cape? We need to explore this before you make your good points. So, if they're driving the car, and we know they kind of like sit, like leaned back a little bit, are you? imagining the cape coming off the helmet and if so what part of the helmet is the cape coming out of or is the cape coming out the back of the car i just need to get your vision oh my god i thought of none of those and i just imagined a bunch of superheroes sitting in cars sitting on their like capes and getting like stuck in their brake pedals but now i can't unsee capes on helmets because capes on cars would just create a lot of issues so we can't even consider this like the craziest conversation we might have ever had and that's but now, saying now i'm imagining lot. it on the rear wing but then like i'm like how would the drs activate and then, and then you're back to why edna does not want capes in the first place it'll get sucked right. up in a car wheel just like 100%. it did car wheel what is this a like tire tab it'll get sucked up in a tire just like it did in that one scene with the incredibles where the guy's cape gets yeah. sucked into an airplane engine and then you go no capes so no capes for F1 drivers. <laughs> what is this podcast? I, how did we end it's up? Summer here? break on Gridwalk. <laughs> okay, but make your your so circling back. Mattia was seen in the paddock, and it's he's now and connected to a job at Alpine. And he was chit chatting with Otmar. So like maybe this was the thing that like was known and going on, and like. Mm -hmm. They were spotted together, so maybe it was a discussion. Can't, who knows? Maybe that, it was actually for the technical director job then. As, there you go. Because as they knew Pat that Fry Pat was leaving. Yeah. Well, there we go. We just put it all together, and F1 still doesn't have any capes. You're welcome, everybody. Um, it will be very interesting. I think as soon as we saw Mattia there, it was like, all right, so who's getting fired or who's getting hired? Because that there would be no reason, I think, why he wouldn't be there if it wasn't necessarily a job hunt. Suddenly, out of nowhere, he's just like, what's up, guys? I'm here now, like, just to say hello. Mm. This is a podium of things that we feel like we desperately need answers on, but we know we're going to have to wait until after summer break to get any information about 
any of this. And Nicole and I both did this podium, so we're gonna alternate. Like, I'll give my P3, and Nicole will give hers, and back and forth. I feel that it is, it is um, important for me to share with our listeners that my podium gets progressively sillier as it continues. And some of you have made, you probably haven't thought of some of these questions, but just know a lot, some of these keep me up at night. I've thought about these for a couple months, so. <laughs> and I've thought about these for a total of 36 hours. These are just things coming off of spa that I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, but I don't have an answer to. Okay, would you like to start with your P3? Yes. My P3 is why was Checo's top speed so much lower than Max's when they technically drive the same car with the same power unit this weekend? <laughs> that was too much of a mouthful. I'm normally pithier about that. But yeah, I... I think there was about like a 20 kilometers per hour difference between the cars and that's confusing to me. Um, All right, what's your P3? No, that's great. It's a perfect lineup because my P3, my big question, is Checo going to stay in his Red Bull seat? Or really yeah, what's hap happening with anyone's seats? But it really, this is stemming from completely a Checo place. I'm dying, and it's like not like I'm the only one. I I'm dying to know what is going to happen with this because I... I'm on the side, I don't believe he's sticking around, and I have no idea who's going there if he right. isn't. It's less will Checo stay in the seat, and it's more like what driver is going to be in that second seat. Shuffle and they, gonna go. Yeah, and they better be fast. It honestly feels like the tipping point of this year's silly season because it feels like all the drivers who are uncertain right now are like waiting, and it might open up a really big seat. I don't know. Yes, I lots of questions. That's a good P3. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. My P2 is why did Alpine do any of this ever? I don't. I just there's like, like, I feel like we only talk about Alpine in the weirdest way this season. Like either they're getting Hollywood investors, they're firing big things, they're expecting wins. They randomly get a podium in Monaco, which was great. But I just why is Alpine Alpine? And they don't lean into French peen. That's going to be my answer here. Is to that's right. why it's all happening. Is because they didn't take advantage of it. Now it's what hard. is Alpine? How is Alpine? Why is Alpine? Just Alpine. Great question. <laughs> um, my P two, so unbelievably pressing. Has Alex Albon completely abandoned his colored hair phase? This is, this is the most important question that we've asked so far. And you're right, we're not going to know. He hasn't necessarily had colored hair. I'm not talking about like a, a ginger, a brown, or his blonde. August of 2022 is the last time we saw full red-headed Alex. And we've seen the blondes. We've seen him experiment with toner and things. Are we done? We're done. Are you done with the blonde? Where is it? Are you just gave up that whole phase? No more comments. Checo gave you blue hair dye for Christmas. I know, and we never saw any blue hair. Yeah, and I'm gonna miss the properly toned blonde Alex. I will too. So, I just need to know, is the phase over, Alex? All right, P1. Does Mercedes know what they're doing? Oh, God. I just, they bring upgrades and they give me lots of hope, but, 
please? Yeah, I don't, I just, do they, do they actually know what they're doing? Are we going to see Mercedes catch up to Red Bull in this generation? Do they know what they're doing? I don't, I don't know. And we're not going to know until we see week two of an upgrade at Zanfort. And that's a long time to wait. I'm frustrated that we have to wait a month to see if this Mercedes upgrade package will bring performance. Ah, ah, I, uh, I don't have words. I... Yeah. <laughs> What's your P1? My P1? Will Horsey McHorse be at Austin? <laughs> the second thought in my brain after Daniel Ricardo was announced as the AlphaTauri seat. So first it was, ah! And the second was, oh my god, is Horsey McHorse going to Austin? <laughs> so you present great known. questions. I also present great but different questions. <laughs> said that this podium gets crazier that that was gonna be your p1 it's a good question i just i feel like he can't do it two years in a row does it give the same impact if, i don't like, know maybe is there more horses like if he thinks that's gonna be like going out with a bang and he gets the horse and the thing and all the stuff and whatever and then like you know how what do what's the leveling up of horsey mchorse is it horses mchorses like you come in like with a crew <laughs> do yuki also gets a horse is everyone on horse does red bull allow shenanigans because if we'll so, find I out the, i think the honorable mention question the leveling up of your question is what is he gonna do in vegas so i a lot of my questions stemmed from vegas but unfortunately a lot of them were answered because i was like when are we gonna see drivers in sequins done got it when is danny rick getting a sequin jacket guess what he got one when is someone gonna be put in an elvis costume surprise already happened twice like <laughs> vegas has so many possibilities of silliness that i couldn't even come up with questions so i stopped myself at austin so horsey mccorse i hope to see you soon with that vip paddock pass I'd love to attend with you, but I am allergic to horses. <laughs> Welcome back to Tire of Topics, a segment where we let a soft Pirelli tire select what topics we're going to talk about. Because silly season has ramped up, especially since we have a new driver on the grid. And there are, I think almost every driver on the grid is on this tire with something silly season adjacent for us to talk about. So we're going to, we obviously can't talk about all of them right now. So we're going to let the tire pick which ones we discussed today. Summer break is going on all month. We are going to be making gridwalk episodes through the full summer break. We're not missing a week. So make sure you come back and spend some F1 time with us, even if there's no active racing right now. Um, so we'll probably get through all of these stories by the end of summer break. Tyra's gonna let pick where we start. All right, you ready, Nicole? Spin the wheel, spin the tire. <laughs> Guys, there's a real tire spinning. I need everyone to go watch this. No way. Oh my God, this is gonna be the spiciest Wait. start. Holy. It wow. It gave us, so there's most drivers on this wheel if you're not watching on youtube this looks rigged that we, it literally landed on the most interesting spiciest topic which is the red bull number two seat which is us talking about ricardo yuki perez liam lawson insert magical driver here me uh, <laughs> you i know i'm bad in the simulator we've seen it i can't drive 
I can drive a normal car. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just want to be clear. The Nicole's actually a fantastic driver. Not um, in the simulator. Not, not when she has to go fast. <laughs> um, so I do think that there's a lot that we've talked a lot about here. Like, if you want our thoughts about just overall listen to any of the last three episodes, including the, oh my gosh, Dan Ricardo is back on the grid episode, I think we give some decent, decent thoughts about this. So the angle I would love to go here is assuming that Checo is not coming back next season, because I think that's more interesting. And let's talk more about the rumors of all the other drivers who've been connected to this seat who are not Yuki Tsunoda, Daniel Ricardo, or Liam Lawson. Because, I mean, Yuki is an untapped potential. Liam, they've pretty much said, is going to get an AlphaTauri seat. Like, he's not yeah. going to go directly into the Red Bull seat. And I think we all know that if what we're looking for out of that seat is a competitive number two, it's probably not going to be Daniel Ricardo. No, I as I love Daniel Ricardo. Putting Daniel Ricardo in the number two seat is putting someone that would probably like is I believe would be what like Red Bull wants. It'll be someone that would maybe right. like perform to a level, but not better than Max, but like could just be there enough that they're gonna have the constructors solidified and like P one, P two, like drive like they don't want anyone like touching them there but they want max there and then they they're they i think danny ricardo would be a good second to max but as a person who's not a red bull fan i don't want that kind of driver in the car so there's a lot of confusion in my brain well i also am not convinced that he's going to be better than checo which we also write that's the, a lot of right. this is like we just don't really know i don't feel like i've seen enough to fully answer that so let's take those three drivers out of this seat for a second. Let Red Bull is going to be just as dominant next season. So we need a second driver to compete with Max. Nicole, who are you putting in that seat for pure entertainment value purposes? Lewis Hamilton excluded because we would never do that to Lewis. Even though we want him to be competitive, we don't want him to have to be on Red Bull. So. Who would you put next to that seat, not including Lewis Hamilton? Put Lando Norris in the Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, he's been connected to it a lot, but Lando has turned he down Red Bull so Followed many them on Instagram. Yeah, Which I hope it's been Lando. 100% was just like, he was like, ha ha he 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 Which, like, right, very funny. Um, and then, I mean, you could say a Ferrari would have been my other guess, but I think the wildest would be Lando Norris. I want Fernando. Ooh, oh my god, I take back exactly what I just said about Lando being the wildest, and it's definitely Fernando. Wow. <laughs> All I right. I no words. Next. Let's spin again. <laughs> it's going round, it's going round. And Carlos Sides. All right, right landed right between the, between the spicy right. ones today. Yeah. So both of the Ferrari drivers have a contract through 2025, and yet I think I've read like an enormous amount of press and reporting about them negotiating their contracts. Or no, wait, I got that wrong. I think they both have contracts through 2024. Mm -hmm. Like through the end yes. of next year. 
From when we've played Red Flags, Charles finishes his contract in 2024. Yes. We okay, contract. so they they both have contracts through 2024. So technically they're still under contract for all next year, but there is so much coverage right now about both of them negotiating contracts and deals. And then just this week it came out that Carlos's dad is who does a lot of his negotiations is like talking to other teams, particularly like Audi coming in in 2026 has been a rumor for a while. I don't know how to feel, but I just the scariest thing that happened as a Carlos Sainz fan is that Ferrari announced a new beer partnership. And, and that makes me nervous because Carlos's main sponsor is a beer and he brings that to every team he goes to. So does that mean Carlos Sainz is leaving Ferrari because I don't think I'm going to be able to take it. Or, and exactly what I said to you last week when you had this spiral, even though you had a great rebuttal to this point, maybe Carlos is no longer being represented by Estrella anymore. Maybe they've just decided to part ways, I say, earnestly. You don't believe that. I don't believe it because as soon as you sent that headline of like, well, they can't have two beer sponsors and Peroni makes so much more sense for Ferrari to have than Estrella Garcia. But like Carlos, yeah, that was, that's a red flag. But Do I don't think, think Carlos would go without a seat. Like, I think that's the, I, yeah. but then there needs to be a seat to go. But I don't foresee him like not being on the grid. Yes, I agree with that. So I'm not like massively stressed. And I don't think that Ferrari's going to end his contract at the end of this season. Like, I think we're really talking about end of, but the, the beer sponsor starts next year. I'm just stressed. No, I don't have beer, any more words. Our marketing brains, if you're new here also, I, you know, we love marketing and gosh, that just points you in all of the right directions. So I think you have a really solid point of being concerned about that announcement because Compe like competition rules and clauses and all of those things like there's definitely like there's no way that these major beers are making these agreements with ferrari and not saying that they have like a non-competitors clause like exclusivity yeah. clause unless maybe peroni just gave them so much money um right. that they had to accept the deal and then maybe like australia will just continue to be like an only carlos sponsor but then there'd be no, yeah, panic. All right. Anyway, I think we spin the wheel to not freak out about Carlos. <laughs> Ooh, Nico. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Nico dyed his hair because he wanted more press attention. And it's decently reported that he is lobbying for a seat in a different team because he's doing so well in the Haas. And uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, it's the first one I saw the blonde hair, I was like, why? Nico has great hair. I mean, the press thing yeah. makes sense though. Because like, I was like, if you're going to make like such a drastic, not drastic change and that becomes headline news in Formula One or just to get enough people like demonstrates that enough people will just talk about you because you made like that kind of change to your appearance definitely can show teams that like people care about you and are interested in you and you know it was a brilliant move it was a very very smart move alex albon dye your hair um <laughs> again again please but don't leave williams <laughs> no 
<laughs> well, he he he's not on. Oh no, he is on this, but not because he is at risk of leaving uh, Williams. It was because of a different story. But I just I don't. I think so much of the drivers' market right now hinges on what Red Bull chooses to do that I don't necessarily see an avenue for a seat, but I also didn't see Fernando Alonso going to Aston Martin. Just and... takes one. Yeah, it just takes, you know, Seb joining Instagram for suddenly <sighs> Nico Hulkenberg to end up on the grid. Like, yeah. <laughs> Happy anniversary. I think the day we're recording this, by the way, is the one-year anniversary of Fernando Alonso's announcement. Uh, and then being on a boat without service, but then he was really just hanging out in Spain. <laughs> I still, I will never forget the feeling of, oh, Seb joined Instagram. Seb posted a black and white video. Oh no. Like no. it was just such a roller coaster. I'll never forget it. No. Anyway, this is about Nico. <laughs> Red Bull seat? <laughs> <laughs> that's my response that's it i can't if even... that happens if he gets either alphatari or red bull i'm clipping that out and bragging about that till the end of time if that happens i will go buy a platinum blonde wig that literally matches his exact haircut and i'll wear it for an entire episode since it is now summer break the media technically doesn't have a regulated summer break but they definitely take one so this is my podium of coverage that would be very different right now if it wasn't the last day of school. P3, all Mercedes coverage of their upgrades. As we covered, there was porpoising and I haven't seen any scary headlines about porpoising is back. Nothing, see nothing either. Oh. Yep. P2, McLaren Sunday. After all the promise of their big upgrade and everything, and then they just had a disaster of a Sunday, and I've no one's talking about it. Everyone's just asleep. They're on vacation. NP1, Ferrari's podium. I even took a peek in like some Italian tabloids, and I'm confused by the lack of coverage. Have they given up? Welcome to Yale Sector Notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. I always- I like, forget I that you look at me when I do that, and I just now do it because I'm so used to hearing you say it. I'm so sorry. Those who are on audio only just know that every time I do that, Nicole sits there and mouths what I'm saying at me and is like really sassy about it. And every week I try not to break as she does that. that you can go over to YouTube and watch watch her do that. And if you go back to the last like 10 episodes, they're all <laughs> every, every time. Um, now, I will warn you that Yellow Sector Notes might slow down a little bit as we enter summer break and everyone goes on hiatus. So, news is a little sparse, but not this week. We got some good things to talk about. Starting with, Mercedes has announced that their F2 title contender, Frederick Vesey, will drive FP1 in Mexico City later this year. It will be his first FP1 run. Reminder that all the teams have to run rookie drivers in both of their cars in an FP1, and no one has done it yet this season. Unlike last season, where early on there was some interspersed so it's gonna be a little chaotic and rapid for the second half of the year here 
Max Verstappen and Lando Norris flew directly from the end of race podium celebrations to Tomorrowland on Sunday night to watch Martin Garrix perform. Um, and I do really enjoy all the memes that Martin Garrix is the true wag of the F1 paddock. They're really great. Um, Lance and Oscar Piastri were in their respective cars again on Tuesday for a Pirelli tire test uh, where they are still in spa and they're testing the 2024 wet and inter tires. Sophia Flourish became the first female driver to score points in F3 this weekend, driving from P24 to P7 in the feature race. Um, of note, this is the second time we've had this announcement because she was disqualified the last time she did it for a tech thing that the team did to the car. Similarly, in great news for women in motorsports, we touched on it earlier, but it's also in the Yellow Sector Notes today. Susie Wolf announced that the F1 Academy will be broadcast for every race going forward as they officially join the F1 Support Series circuit with their season finale at the U.S. Grand Prix, and they will be uh, as and they will be an F1 support race for every race in 2024. You can design an NFT and end up on the back of the Williams rear wing going forward as a partnership they're doing with a crypto sponsor. Um, it looks like Joe Guan Yu plays Mario Kart as Peach, which I love. Danny Rick and his sponsor... <laughs> the words. Danny Rick and his sponsor Optus are giving out $64,000 grants to kids... 13 to 19 who have big ideas in association with the Women's World Cup that's currently going on in Australia and New Zealand. And finally, last but not least, Gunther made guac and it was extra. Those are the yellow sector notes for episode 28 of Gridwalk. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than we transported ourselves to a tropical vacation. <laughs> because it's summer break, okay? Anyway, as always, thank you to VoiceOver Man. Thank you to the tire of topics that chose the drivers and we discussed their fate today, or what we believe their fate to be. And our four-legged executive producers. If you're an audio listener, don't forget to follow. Turn on those auto-downloads. You really don't know how much that helps us. And rate and review the pod. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, turn on notifications, leave us a comment. Tell us, what are you doing for F1 Summer Break? What are your plans? How are you filling those Sundays without a race? I'm still trying to figure that out. But really, leave us a comment, leave us a review, follow us on all of our social medias. All of these things really, really help us find new people to find our podcast on every social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, threads. You'll find us at Gridwalk Show, and we sincerely hope that you follow us and that you'll join us every single Thursday. And yes, even during F1 Summer Break, every Thursday we'll be here, and we can't wait for you to join us. But as always... Today felt like a tropical vacation, not a great one.